Welcome to another edition of Talking Ball with the Czar. I'm Emery Hunt, the Czar of the Playbook. This is a podcast version, and as always, you can follow me on Twitter at Fball Game Plan. Make sure to subscribe on iTunes to Football Game Plan Podcast. You can leave us a five-star rating. Well, you should leave us a five-star rating. Be sure to check out all of my coaching and uh, interviews at footballgameplan.com slash FBGPU. And we're always on the YouTube channel, the Football Game Plan Network at youtube.com slash football game plan. And both Instagram and Facebook are both football game plan. Now that I got all of that out the way, I'm glad to bring on my very special guest, Samantha Rappaport, the director of football development for the NFL. Samantha, I appreciate you taking time. Excellent. Thanks so much, Emery. Glad to be here. Well, I remember you the football player. Here's the thing. Uh, a football game plan, a lot of people know we cover many different areas of football, which, one which includes women's tackle football, and you have a background playing for the Montreal Blitz. So I remember we do we used to do these preview videos and breaking down the Blitz and whoever they're, they're playing that particular week, and I mentioned your name a couple of times, so I'm not surprised that you're involved here with the NFL, but let's talk about your, your playing background with the Blitz. How was that experience playing football up north. Absolutely. It was incredible. And I grew up playing flag and touch football. And so when I was at McGill University in Montreal, uh, women's tackle football and uh, women's tackle football team started up in, in Canada for the first time ever. So I joined it and uh, what an incredible opportunity it was. You know, I didn't even speak the language too well. It was a predominantly French team. And so as a quarterback, I had to not only, you know, learn the tackle sport and the tackle discipline, but I also had to learn the language um, of language of football in French. So it was an extremely interesting time and, and it certainly helped in me procuring my first career position within the NFL. Which is interesting because you mentioned McGill University. I'm very familiar with McGill University because my old college teammate plays for the Montreal Alouettes and, and obviously their home games are right there at McGill. Yep. And, and the uh, East-West Bowl was up there for two years, I want to say maybe two years ago. Um, so very familiar with that particular university. And you see a lot of times when, when you're talking women's tackle football, when I bring up, hey, I'm doing a game here uh, covering the New York Sharks or, or Montreal Blitz, and people instantly want to go to, oh, is that the lingerie league? And, and I think that's just has done a big disservice for women's tackle football. And I wanted to ask you, what's the biggest misconceptions you find about women's tackle football when you're out there explaining to people? I think a lot of people don't know that women play tackle football legitimately, you know, 11 versus 11 full pads, you know, NFL or NCA rules. Uh, and so, you know, I think people often think that the game probably isn't played at a high level, you know, or, or it's not fundamentally sound. But typically what you'll see is as soon as people come out to games and see the level at which these women are playing, you know, this sport, they're bought in. And a perfect example of that is, you know, NFL Hall of Famer Franco Harris, the first time he saw the Pittsburgh passion play in, in his hometown, you know, he immediately wanted to get involved. He, he couldn't believe that women are playing at this level. And he now co-owns the team with Teresa Khan in, in Pittsburgh. So, uh, you know, it just goes to show you that a player at the, of that caliber, you know, just got bought in and got the bug of women's football. It, it really is. Uh, it's still a young sport and it's still, you know, on the up, but uh, it's, it's a very exciting time for women's tackle football. Was funny is that I remember I was a senior in high school and going into my freshman year in college and me and my friend were we were hanging out we got back to the house maybe about 11 o'clock at night maybe midnight and we're just flipping through the channels and PBS had a special on 
this women's tackle football league. So this was 1999. And mm. when I say we were in tune to what was going on, I was like, wait a minute, this is a great idea. I would totally watch women tackle football uh, because we in, in high school, we had a couple of girls that were, were real good athletes, uh, ran track, played volleyball and could catch a football and, and do different things. Some even came out and tried out for the football team just to stay in shape. And we were wondering why this hadn't caught on at that time. And fast forward now to almost 20 plus years. Mm -hmm. And now you start to see the progression of the game to where it has grown to an international sport, quite honestly. And that brings me to our time talking with one another back at USA football. Mm -hmm. um, how has that experience helped you get to where you are as a player, as a person, and also now growing the game even for, further for women opportunities in the NFL? Absolutely. Yeah, my time spent at USA Football, I was six years on the leadership team of that organization, and it's a, an incredible one for the sport of football. And, you know, it, it really allowed me to develop platforms for women to get exposure and training within the game of football. And so one of the events that, that I created while over there was called the Women's World Football Games. Uh, and it was, uh, it's, an, it's still going on, and it's in its fifth year now. And it's basically, it's women from all over the world uh, come together on one football field for one week to learn from USA football's best coaches. Um, and, you know, it was really that event that led me to realize that there really, there's a, there's a gap between, you know, women who love this sport, play it and know it really well to the NFL and opportunities within the NFL. And that, that, you know, that's the impetus of my position here. And, uh, and, and what we're trying to accomplish is trying to connect those two worlds. I was on a broadcast for, the IWFL championship game this past July and speaking with both coaches, the, the, the coach, the head coach, I forget her name uh, for the, the t team out of Texas. It was out of Houston. And she brought up a, a, a real good point during the press conferences with, with both teams. She said, because the question was, while wow, you have all of your assistant coaches are women. And someone asked that question of what, what does that mean to you? And she said, well, I wanted to create, a situation for my players to where everyone on the team looks like them and to where they can aspire to say, Hey, okay, once my playing career is done, I can also do this. Mm -hmm. Is that something that you've found yourself seeing when, as you got deeper into your career and as you start to work with USA football? Yeah, I think that the, the more people that see people like them in positions, whether we're talking about gender diversity or racial diversity or, or, you know, any other, category of diversity really it helps to open the funnel and it allows for more applicants to apply for jobs uh, where they otherwise wouldn't have so a lot of the time what you'll hear in many different industries is you know I, I well, I'll use football as an example you know I really like football I just never thought that coaching was for me because I'm a female and so you know we've had quite a few coaching interns uh, and two full-time female coaches in the NFL now and that number is only going to continue to increase exponentially and that I'm, I'm certain that that will inspire young girls to, you know, take up that career path if it's something that they're interested in. And we mentioned earlier that you're the director of football development uh, in the NFL and or with the NFL. What does that title mean and, and where are you taking or your role moving forward? Sure. So I oversee programming that is aimed at um, Opening up our pipeline to diverse candidates, whether that be you know racially diverse, gender diverse, or other categories of diversity, uh, so the NFL you know can look a little bit more like its fan base and and the country. And so we recognize that uh, you're you know you have to you have to fish in the entire pool 
in order to get the best candidates. And if you're only looking at 50% of the candidates, or if you're only looking at 70% of the candidates, or have you, you're never going to get the best talent. And all of the programming that, that I oversee um, has that, that premise in mind, that we want to attract the best talent in the NFL. So I oversee the pipeline programming as it pertains to um, people coming into the NFL in the coaching, scouting ranks. And then we also work with our current NFL personnel um, who at our clubs to help them develop in their roles so we can make our NFL even stronger. I like what you said. You, you, you can't fish in the salmon pond and get mad when you don't come up with trout. So, <laughs> you know, yeah. uh, since you, you've been there two years, right? I've been there about a, here about a year and a half, but I spent uh, the first nine years of my career here as well. So feels like home. <laughs> How many applicants are, have you seen or, or growth have you seen from applicants from women going into trying to get into the NFL or get into some, let's say, whether it's coaching or scouting? So it's, it's all starting you know, now and a couple of years ago as well when we had our first female intern coach um, in Jen Welter. And then we had, you know, Catherine Smith, who was our first full time coach in the NFL. Um, to give you some perspective, though, from a number standpoint, last year we had one female working in football operations uh, at our clubs in coaching and scouting, and this year we had 10. So we are, you know, we're, we're very happy with that increase. I think we're, we're just scratching the surface. You know, we, we certainly don't uh, measure all of our success based on numbers. It's, you know, where they go in their career next and, and how they handle that. But we are, we're excited about this movement and the kind of the change in attitude that has started uh, in football, and it's a, it's a nice thing to, to follow. Yeah, it's interesting. I was at the East West Ryan game this past January, and and you know that that's a breeding ground for for coaches and scouts, and not just from the NFL, but also from the CFL. And it's all the Montreal Alouettes have a, a woman. Uh, I want to say she's the director of scouting or college scouting, or she's a scout. Uh, yep, Catherine. Yep. And it's it's amazing to see because, it, and it's not the only team. I want to say the Argonauts have have a woman uh, scout as well, mm -hmm. and it's just constant, you know, people that that want to do real work that are good at what they do, and it it has no gender, it has no color, and I'm excited to see it continue to grow. And where ultimately would you like to see the role of women in the game of football progress to where where we from where we are now to where you'd like to see it uh, take off? So the ultimate mission, Emery, of what we're trying to do is just is to normalize females on the sidelines. And so, you know, at, when we reach a point where we're no longer talking about, you know, she's a female coach or she's a female scout or, oh, they have two females, you know, when it just becomes normal, that's when we'll have started to accomplish something in this space. And so that's that's where I'm looking forward to. Uh, I'm not looking uh, necessarily to milestones or, you know, the first female this or that. Um, that's great, but what we're lo really looking for is longevity and sustainability in this movement. And that's and the, the ultimate metric is no one's talking about it. So when these types of interviews don't happen anymore and media isn't writing about it, it just happens. That's when you know I'll, I'll feel like we have had some success. Do you think a way that it can happen faster would be if we start to see women's high school football and uh, for it to grow as a as a, a youth league sport and then ultimately grow into where it becomes normal to people to see, oh, just like we have men and women's basketball. Without question. I think, you know, right now you're still hearing people say, oh, there's a girl on my boys high school football team or oh, there's a girl on this team. And I think, you know, the implementation of girls, you know, elementary school, junior high, high school and even collegiate football will help to normalize it in the country and will help this move forward. So. I, I personally am a big proponent of playing football regardless of your 
age, gender, race, what have you, because I, I personally think it's the greatest sport in the world. Uh, and it's done so much for me that I'll never be able to repay. And so I think I'm a big proponent for participation in the sport uh, and also involvement, you know, in your career when you can no longer play. Well, you touched on it and you said you it has given you a lot and, and it's something that you really love and you have to love it in order to be involved in it at this level where you are. What is it that you love about the game the most? My favorite part of football is that there is no one act in football of success that can be attributed to only one person. And I think in every other sport, you know, in basketball, you can steal and fast break. In hockey, you can steal and break away and score, and that was all you. There's not one thing, no touchdown, uh, you know, no first down, no safety, nothing that you can attribute only to your success. It always has something to do with your teammates. And so I love that the cohesion that that creates with you and other people and the values that that teaches you, you know, as far as your success later on in life, uh, I think is um, magnified in football to an extent that it isn't in any other sport. And that's, that was always my favorite part of the game. And it's also a game full of life lessons. What would be the biggest thing you believe football taught you? I think football, too, my favorite thing that football taught me is to achieve a common goal with people that you may have otherwise never hung out with in life or been around. Uh, the diversity of a football field is, is so beautiful, just in positions itself, not even talking about race or gender or anything like that. Um, just the, the differences of, you know, my offensive line women when I was playing, you know, I may have never hung out with any of them, um, you know, in my social life, but that they br football brought them to me. You know, they were protecting me. They were responsible for the touchdowns I threw and ran, and I feel, you know, I'll, I'll feel connected to them forever. And I think that's a microcosm of what's going on in the NFL right now, where you see people from all different shapes, sizes, backgrounds, colors, uh, you know, now gender on the sidelines coming together for one cause, uh, high-fiving each other and just, you know, kind of losing yourself on the football field for an hour, for 60 minutes. And, and that's, that's such a beautiful thing to me. Now, do you think you would have gotten that life lesson eventually or did football really help expedite that process for you? Football did it for me. Um, I, I was average at every other sport I played. I played almost every sport under the sun, but I just I was very average. And when I took up football, I felt like I was good. And so that allowed me to fall in love with the game. I felt like I was finally good at something. You know, it was kind of my personality in high school. Everyone attributed football to me. And, you know, it, playing football is the reason I have my job today, is the reason that I have all my closest friends. And, you know, it, it really is, uh, it has done everything for me. So I, I don't think I would have, gain those same life lessons from other sports because I don't know if I would have stuck with them because I just, I wasn't very good at them. Well, you definitely were good at with the Montreal Blitz. I, I can speak to that. <laughs> you have a fan <laughs> in me. In me. Well, Samantha, I really appreciate you taking time out your busy schedule to, to, to sit down and talk football with me. And um, are you available on social media in case people want to follow you? If, if so, give out that handle. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I'm on Twitter at SamRap10, S-A-M-R-A-P-10. Uh, and that's that's my main social media platform. Awesome. Well, again, we wish you the best of luck moving forward, and we appreciate you taking time. Excellent. Thanks so much, Emery. Appreciate it. So that's it for this episode of Talking Ball with the Czar. I'm Emery Hunt, the Czar of the Playbook. Once again, we want to thank Samantha Rappaport for joining us on today's podcast. And as always, follow us on Twitter. Follow me on Twitter at FBall Game Plan. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes at Football Game Plan Podcast and leave us a five-star rating. And for more of our other Football Game Plan University segments, visit our website at footballgameplan.com slash FBGPU.